Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the ball pit at Discovery Zone, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 189. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. I'm Cash. This is Scott. This is Greg. And I'm your host, Don. Well, this week, uh, September 7th, in a couple days here, celebrates National Neither Rain Nor Snow Day. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night steadies these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. That's an inscription found over the entrance of the Central Post Office in New York City. National Neither Snow Nor Rain Day commemorates the opening of the New York Post Office on September 7th in 1914. The James A. Farley Post Office building is the main post office in New York City. Built in 1912 and opened for postal business in 1914, it is famous for the inscription. In 1982, the post office was officially designated the James A. Farley Building as a monument and testament to the political career of the nation's 53rd Postmaster General. It took until 1982 for that? Till it was dedicated as his name, yeah. Yeah, Wow. I thought that that would be much, much sooner. Or maybe he died. Maybe it took that long to get over the Farley's Follies thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe there was a little ah. controversy in there. <laughs> While the inscription is prominently featured on the building, the United States Postal Service does not actually have an official motto. However, in 2011, the United States Post Office advertised with the song Let the River Run by Carly Simon. The words of the inscription ran across inspirational images of postal workers carrying out their daily duties. What is Let the River... I, that song does not ring a bell with me. I'm sure Where Tom have will, you been? I'm sure Tom will dig it up and put a clip in. What are Farley's uh-huh. Follies? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh. What can are of worms. Farley's Follies? <laughs> back it has in nice the, alliteration. Back in the day, uh, President Roosevelt was... FDR was the president. Farley was his postmaster general. Mm-hmm. And he decided to present uh, the president and uh, a couple of other important political people in Washington with uncut, unperforated press sheets from early printings of some of the national parks issues and the, the issues that were just being released. And the philatelic press got a hold of this and they just went bonkers saying this is not fair you've given them rarities and and they're going to be worth billions of dollars and <laughs> because because they were imperforate sheets right that's a big deal and and so what the post office did is they made available to any collector that wanted to buy them through the post office in Washington DC uncut unperforated ungummed press sheets of the same stamps yeah, that was the difference, though. They were never gummed. Right. The ones that were the presented were actually gummed. Correct, yeah. Okay, so it, ke- it still kept the other ones the, uh, more right. valuable. The and stamps were regularly um, perforated, so yeah. it was... Right, so, so it created, an imperforate, ver- sheets, it created yeah. an imperforate variety that collectors screamed that they couldn't get a hold of. And that's the follies? That, that's the, f- the whole scandal is the follies, yes. Wow. What? And... Uh, there was an option if you wanted to send your sheet to the Bureau of Engraving and Printed the Printing, they would gum it for you. So, but That's very, very few of those, very, very few of those were done, and now they command substantial premiums over the ungummed regular issue. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. You ever seen one? I have some. Oh. What? Yeah. How much are they worth? I mm-hmm. had a plate block set of them, or I, excuse me, an arrow I, block set of. Them. I have a block of four set. Oh, cool. Yeah. I got them right before they got listed in the catalog, which was like, cool. That's neat. Right. So yeah. Any other folly throughout history like that? 
you know, that, that had that big of a... Yeah, the uh, well, they did the same thing with the um, inverted Dag Hammarskjöld yeah, stamp. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Where so, somebody got a rarity, and the Philatel, everybody goes, ah, and they issued a billion <laughs> more of them. That's so funny. And then the... No, uh, don't legend, piss off collectors. Yeah, the Legends of the West. They had a wrong picture, and some of them gone out, and everybody goes, oh, and so they printed a billion more of those. It's no, cool. they didn't. They fixed the picture, and then they, when they, uh, what, one hundred twenty-five thousand? When no, they took them off sale, and they yeah. held a lottery. Huh. Yeah. And uh, so you send in your, mu- you send in a check with your little thing, and then they held a lottery, and if your name got drawn, they cast your check and sent you the sheet, <laughs> and if your name didn't get drawn, they sent back your check. <laughs> wow! Can you imagine watching your mail and <laughs> waiting to see if you got either your check or the stamps back? Yeah. Yeah, my mom actually got one. <laughs> That's cool. Some people, some people actually got a whole bunch of them. It was actually kind of rare for you not to get a sheet. It wasn't a common thing. There were more sheets given out. No, than, that, that I don't think that's true. Cause so maybe the return check is the more valuable thing. I, well, they <laughs> I, I submitted a whole bunch of requests, and I had everybody I knew submit one for me, and I didn't get a single one. And I must really? have submitted. I must Ooh. have submitted over fifty, fifty of them, and I I got all my checks back. No, oh. just to have to write a whole checkbook out, yeah. or two, or go to the post office and buy a bunch of money orders. Yeah, go. I don't think I've had a checkbook in like ten years or longer. <laughs> yeah, I don't have checks. I run a business. I don't even have checks. That's sad. That is sad. Yeah, no one takes check anymore. The IRS takes a check. No, I pay them uh, on their web portal as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, the IRS does not take checks. The IRS grabs it out of your payroll. <laughs> well, they don't, they well, don't that, care. Well, no, they can't you, touch payroll. That's only if they don't... That's only if you don't send them a check. Mm-hmm. If you do everything right with the IRS, they send you a check. No. For like one penny. Yeah. Oh, yes. If you've yes. done it perfectly. Yes. If you did it correctly, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll send you a penny. I'd rather owe them a penny. Then they're not making interest off my penny. Yeah, that is that is that pisses me off. They make interest on holding that. Oh. Yeah, but it costs them more to write the check than it does for the penny that it comes Stupid. in. Stupid. True that. Mm-hmm. Well, other advertising campaigns have also hinted at the inscription's motivation. The Watch Us Deliver campaign featured carriers delivering precious packages in harsh or awkward conditions. The narrator promises they will deliver the mail faster, sleeker, earlier, fresher, harder, farther, quicker, and yeah, even on Sundays. Not. <laughs> they'll deliver Not. They'll deliver it harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The inscription, which was carved by Irish Schnapp, was provided by Designing Architects. It is a paraphrase of a motto from the Herodotus Histories, which describes a Persian system of mounted messengers under Xerxes I of Persia. Ah, oh, Xerxes. And nice guy. it wasn't called Persia then. It was the kingdom of Xerxes. Excuse me. So blame it on Iran. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was called Iran before it was called Persia. It's not like Istanbul, now Constantinople. Something like that. Why they changed it, I can't <laughs> ah, say. Yes. guess just exactly. No, Alexander the Great gave it the name Persia. So we call Greece, Greece, which isn't their name, and Greece called it Persia, which isn't their name. So it, I guess it's sort of just desserts. Every country renames every country. There's no Japan. Isn't it like Nihojin or something like that? Or Nippon. Nippon. There's no Rome. There's yeah. Roma. Yeah, everybody renames everybody. Uh-huh. Except for the U.S. Or just the U.S. Or well, damn Americans. Well, we're, yeah, but if you call us Americans... It's not technically correct. Canadians are American. We're technically North Americans. Correct. We're part of the North American continent, then the Central and South America. Yeah. Okay, so uh, news. Baybridge Steel and the Secret Stamp Society, they came away with some. Tell me there's a club out there called Secret Stamp Society. It's even better. I would so join. I'm part of the the S3. Have like a little... Throw down <laughs> Secret Stamp Society. Ooh. At the it's event, a great name. At an event in San Francisco stands a small podium which bears the insignia, the Elsewhere Philatelic Society. In 2015, the east span of the Bay Bridge was torn down 
and the steel donated to a local artist. The Elsewhere Philatelic Society applied for and was awarded five rivets from the bridge. (laughs) One of these rivets is now fastened to the podium standing in the park. It was actually, it wasn't one artist. It was local artists. Oh, local artists. Multiple artists. I'm sure one artist would have trouble disposing of that much And you could apply for... Rivets. You could apply. Well, you could f- apply for pieces of the bridge that you could use in artwork because ah. it was all San Francisco and San Francisco artists. I want a two hundred and fifty yard iron girder, please. Yep. Yeah, I can deliver it to my backyard. I'll bolt it to my house. <laughs> art. Don't tell me it's not art. Don't judge me. <laughs> That's right. The Elsewhere Philatelic Society is a group of folks, many of them artists. They travel around to events in San Francisco. It's a bit of a treasure hunt where stamps are collected and commemorate to commemorate your attendance. Just as the post office released stamps that commemorate events. So, so they, they make, make they art make for stamps. each. Yeah. They make they make their own stamps and you become a member and you get a map. And you can get a passport, and you can go to these different events throughout the city. Shut the front door. That's and happening now. Yeah, since two thousand fifteen. I guess they don't do. Is it like underground? Stamps. Like they make you, have to, you have to know somebody to get inducted into this secret society? Not quite. Because that'd be even more not awesome. Not quite. But it, you, is there you, bloodletting? If you go to their <laughs> website, it's kind of cryptic. Cool. I'm so, digging it. I'm digging it. So, but you know, it's like I just thought this was a really neat story when I found so it's it. It's like an underground stamp yeah. society. So the stamp. I well, so not, o- not only that, but they designed their own stamps. Uh, the stamps are designed from the artist, and they're affixed to the passport. Um, they're glued in, though not hinged, uh, and uh, they are not actually postage stamps, but they are indeed stamps for collecting. Like they're NFRs. Do, do cities have NFRs? FNRs. 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 Sorry, FNRs. Yeah, FNRs. They're FNRs. Do cities like Vegas have an FNR? Is there an official FNR for Vegas? I haven't seen one. Huh. So if you ever happen to find yourself in San Francisco, then by all means, look them up. You can get yourself a map, become a member, obtain a passport, and start the new stamp collection. All the while exploring the art and events of the city. Many stamp collectors have been lost along the way. Oh, yeah. And it's actually, uh, their website is stampsfromelsewhere.com. That's neat. Check that out. So I just thought that totally was a really, that a really neat non-philatelic stamp collecting thing. Yeah, no, that's cool. But they actually call themselves a philatelic society. Yeah, it gets kind of ancillary, right? It's close. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of label collecting societies. The interesting thing is I actually I looked it up. I collect the one mattresses you're not allowed to take off. I actually I looked it up because I was curious if philately was limited to postage stamps, and technically I guess it is. It means It's something from Greek or Latin, right, philately? French. French. What does it mean exactly? I forget. I don't know off the top of my head. But I was looking it up to see if, you know, are they indeed a philatelic society and i guess technically no because they're they're not collecting postage stamps but they are making their own stamps and some of them supposedly are really cool though i couldn't find pictures of any why is it not philatelic uh-huh if it's philately right isn't it philatelic why philatelic a fine question sir mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i think it's like um uh, homicide is it should be pronounced homicide, but it's homicide. It means the same, yes. killing of the same. But we pronounce it homicide. Well, philately is actually the collection of tax stamps. Ah. And so when you, so you're not all philatelists. <laughs> well, when you paid the money to send a letter, that was considered a tax that sent the letter. Ah, okay. So anything really that. You know, really, you, it doesn't make sense. Tax, not quite right. It's more of a fee. Well, it would be more than that because if the post office was owned by the government, then it would be philatelic. But if the yeah, post office is true. an independent company, like most countries have now, technically it's not a philatelic item. It's a <laughs> personal label for that company. The direct translation of the word, though, what is it? Oh, uh, phila. 
Adelie, freedom from charge, uh, taken to mean recipient freedom from delivery charges by virtue of the stamp which the sender affixed to the letter. Hmm. Literally, um, want of taxation. Well, because in the old days, I'm reading generally it. when you sent a letter, the recipient paid for paid, it. Paid, right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there. Any more questions, <laughs> Greg? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make? <laughs> How true. I forgot about that guy. <laughs> well, now we have Greg. <laughs> Look how stamp collecting. For the beginning collector, there are several ways to start a collection on a budget. Although mailed items are becoming more infrequent, the easiest and the cheapest way to start a collection is by collecting the used postage that comes in your mailbox. This can be your own mail or a friend or relative that may be willing to save items for you. Even your job could be a source for stamps if your company receives mail. Another way is through more advanced collectors that may be willing to help you start by providing duplicate stamps that they have received. A beginner collector could attend a show or join a local stamp club. There are many dealers that have bargain stamps that are good for a beginner, and clubs offer a way to meet more collectors that might be willing to give you some items in order to start you off on the right foot. These items and more are covered in more detail in the American Philatelic Society's brochure, 10 Low-Cost Ways to Start Collecting Stamps, which can be found on their website, stamps.org. Well done, APS, I guess. Yeah, it was a nice. They have a nice little brochure, and that yeah. was just a couple of the items from it. And well, I can sort of see, you know, people want or they want to increase collectors, the number of collectors, and you know, people who start collecting at low prices eventually start collecting at high prices. Yeah, the the biggest problem is, um, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty years ago, you got all sorts of new commemoratives and other kinds of. Stamps came in your a wide variety, and nowadays most of the stamps, unless you get lots of Christmas cards or birthday cards or something like that, you're pretty much only getting the bulk rate, pre-sorted type of stamps. Yeah, but those are the fascinating ones right now because you have all the different printings no, that you're trying to. I don't, I don't think so. They're generally uninspired designs too. Well, yeah, but you are a certain type of collector. The collector who comes in new who is going to be collecting their mail is going to look at this and go, look, I just found four stamps that look the same. However, they're actually totally different. And there's a fifth one and I need to go find it. Yeah, no, no, it might. You can't don't know for sure. Depends on how into it they're getting into some, how into it they're getting. Well, Well, how much information they get about it too. True. Well, I, you know, I would. I was assuming that it was somebody that had no other information. They were just going to start collecting stamps because they found something interesting. And frankly, I don't find those designs very interesting. Um, when you get into the the commemorative stamps, like the Hot Wheels stamps and and the the Art of Magic stamps, those I think would stimulate somebody to say, "Hey, this is kind of neat. I think I'll collect stamps." But getting a bunch of um, flag stamps that all look alike and then a bunch of other stamps that just have words on it and things like that just not in my mind would inspire somebody especially a younger somebody to collect stamps well i got in the mail and i spoke about this before a donation letter from the national history museum and it had a pre-sort you know, org stamp up in the corner, you know, the, the bird with the yeah it, it, nothing stamp, but it was on this cover and it had a Tyrannosaurus Rex over the entire left side of it. Well, you see, that's different that not, you're not, you're collecting topical, you're collecting, uh, other things. It's not no, focused it's on al- the, you're not focused on the stamp when you collect that. It's almost, I like- understand it's part of, part of stamp collecting but you're not focused on the stamp saying oh i think i'll collect stamps because i have this advertising cover that has a dinosaur on it yeah and i think i'll go out and buy some stamps i think one of the biggest problems now is that 
the average person who is buying a pane of stamps is usually doing it in line at the grocery store now, where they don't carry they don't carry things like the Hot Wheels or the Art of Magic stamps. Right. I mean, you, you have to take the time to go to the post office and many times stand in long lines. Well, the other thing is they Man, issue... willing to buy these. The other thing is they issue so many of them. I mean, basically every week there's at least one for a good part of the year. And that's difficult to keep up with on any level. I mean... It, it, even so for, you so you don't want to make it low cost cheap. You want to make it low cost cheap and incredibly easy. Well, it needs to be not overwhelming. I don't think it's overwhelming to go to your friends or your businesses or something and say, "Hey, what stamps have you got?" I think that's the thrill of the search, and that's why I think that you know when they start getting all these flags, you know, these boring stamps. And all of a sudden, they look at a Mystic ad, which, you know, Mystic puts stuff everywhere. And the Mystic ad says, and I've seen it, it's on the back cover, do you have these 15 stamps? And it shows the flag stamp. And you go, I've got that stamp, but I didn't know there were 15 of them. And so all of a sudden, instead of finding one flag stamp, now you're going through and you're trying to find the coil, the booklet, the different colored dates, the different dates. You know, there's a lot of printings to it. And so all of a sudden this person goes, I had this one stamp and I thought I was done. Now I look at this mystic ad at the back of this magazine and I realize there's 15 of these. I got to find the other 14 of them. I have to find out which one I have and then find the other 14 of them. I think that if the flag stamp is make pretend, the flag stamp is the only stamp that's ever used on the mail. It obviously isn't. You would get that one stamp and then say, oh, I'm done. It's like, no, there's a whole bunch more. Well, that's what happened early on in in the 1800s. Yeah. And uh, the dealers had to find all these tiny diver, uh, not dye varieties, but just printing varieties. And color varieties. Yeah, and, let's talk the one cent Franklin. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and so to sell more stamps, the dealers had to come up with reasons why a collector would need to have these other stamps. See, and then they could charge more for it. See, I disagree with that. I mean, I, you hear it all the time that, you know, Scott's catalog put the different one centers in there because um, they wanted people, you know, they the dealers wanted to sell more stamps. The The stamp actually is different. Now, Today, do we consider it different? No, but back then, they had exactly the same thing. You got all these one-cent stamps. And then somebody pointed out, it's like, yeah, you have one, but do you have this one? And they go, it looks exactly the same. And you go, no, hold on. Let me point something out to you. It came from a different position on the same printing plate. Yeah, and it's rare and something like that. And it was printed the same day in the same color with the same... At the same time. Yes, you are absolutely correct. But collect but it's not the same stamp you have. It's the one next to it. Collecting raises its own scarcity. That's always the case. Collecting, incre uh, collecting develops its own scarcity. If you collect Hot Wheels and you want one of every car, all of a sudden you're going to find that some colors are more valuable than others. There's a U.S. and a Hong Kong. There's red wheels and white, or excuse me, red lines and white lines. All of a sudden, this one Hot Wheel car has seven different varieties. And one of those varieties is really rare. It happens in every collecting interest. And if people, if young people or cheap people collect, and I apologize for using the term cheap, but low-cost stamp collecting you can go crazy on this stuff. Look at the uh, well, coil uh, number coils. Well, here, here's here's one of my uh, here here's a different view. Is the way coin collecting does it? They start with generalities, and you just collect one of every year date. Well, if you want to collect the varieties, then you can branch off, and now you have multiple coins 
that all look the same, but they have these tiny little varieties. Well, it kind of works the opposite way in stamp collecting. They give you all of these major varieties that are really minor. Mm -hmm. It's the same issue. They should be one, and then it should branch out from there like a root system, not the top of a tree. Oh, do we, we talk all the time. Our job should always be making stamp collecting easier, entry, not more entry, difficult. Entry into the hobby should be easier, not more difficult. And, and I think that... Uh, we make it difficult for no good reason. I, I agree. Well, speaking of uh, young collectors, which Cash brought up, we're going to actually discuss that a little further today. The recent APS Columbus show saw an effort to gain popularity with young collectors by having a topical theme of dragons in conjunction with the USPS dragon stamp release. Oh, um, fantastic issue there. Uh, I know Don has a lot to say about it. <laughs> it is dragons. But by definition, yeah, it's dragons. Yeah. Well, there were... Could have done worse. Uh, Could have done better. Are you sure they could have done worse? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, yes. there were inflatable dragons on some of the dealers' tables. Medieval-garbed characters would greet people as they entered, and visitors could have their photos taken with Perf the Magic Dragon, who served as the show mascot. Perf the Magic Dragon. <laughs> Any relation to Piff? Yeah, I saw a billboard uh, driving in uh, that Piff is in uh, Vegas now at the Mirage, so it's Piff the Magic Dragon too. Yeah, Piff you heard of his Dragon. brother uh, Steve? Yeah. Oh, it, it, if you want to see a f really good comedy magician, Piff the Magic Dragon, just type it into Google. He has this little dog that he dresses up like a dragon. It's it's really cute, and it's really funny. Well, there was also a youth area where you could learn about stamps as well as uh, receive free stamps to start a collection. Another, another one of the uh, cheap ways to get stamps, right? Several dealers had smiley face signs on their tables advertising that beginners were welcome. You know, I don't really know that there are very many dealers who do not welcome beginners. Yeah. Uh, no matter what your age is, I do realize some of them may have uh, attitudes or demeanors that seem to... Contradict that? They kind of put up, put you off if they don't know you. It, it's just kind of hard to break through that shell. Uh, but most dealers, when they see... Uh, somebody show an interest in something are more than happy to share knowledge, share items. Of course they have an ulterior motive. They're hoping for a sale, but some, well, of, actually, some of them do it. Be, yeah. You know, even knowing that they don't have any material for that person, that person because they've asked about something that they don't carry, but they're still more than willing to help them out and share. I know a huge number of uh, dealers who will absolutely help somebody out and tell them all about stamps, knowing that there is zero chance of making a sale. That and is they true. will still help them all that out. That is true. But if you are a younger collector, a young person, a kid, um, or maybe even a beginner collector, and you see some of these tables with the sheer amount of stuff on it, do you, you, know, do you know starting off who you should be talking to or not. I mean, I think something like a sign that says, you know, beginners welcome for people who are willing to take that time with new collectors is actually probably pretty helpful. Because I think if you go to a big stamp show, I mean, I wasn't at Columbus, Scott was. I imagine as a, as a, as a young kid or something walking into there, that could be a bit intimidating with yeah. the sheer amount of so where do you start? Eh, it's like running into a playground. Well, no, it's more than that. It's I like, mean, we, where do I want to go first? Here at PSE, we get people calling us all the time who have stamps, know nothing about them. Right. And we actually have a text line, you know, where you can send us pictures or you can email us pictures and things. And I try to tell them what they have. And Nine times out of ten, with the tenth time saying, I don't care, I just really want to know how much this thing is worth. Nine times out of ten, they get interested in the stamps. 
and they go, oh, that's interesting. You know, I tried to tell them, you know, what it is, tell them a little bit of the backstory on it. Because if you just say, oh, yeah, what you have there, not worth a lot of money, then they go, oh, okay, I'm done. And throw in the or throw in the trash. Or whatever, yeah. So what else can a younger person do to start collecting stamps, or anything else for that matter these days? With this question in mind, we will discuss what other shows are doing, as well as some ideas that may help attract younger collectors. I recently checked out a video, uh, Cash actually sent it to me, from... Uh, it was done by David Hall of Collectors Universe, who, of course, run uh, professional sports authenticators and professional coin grading services, promoting the Long Beach Expo, which we mentioned is actually going to be this weekend, mostly featuring cards, coins, and uh, some stamp dealers, not as much of a stamp show. Oh, it used to be a huge stamp show. Now it's uh, well, there's going to be about eight, maybe ten dealers there. Out of... How many? 150. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, mainly. Yeah. Um, some of the youth activities that are included are a treasure hunt for kids with prizes um, such as graded Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. That's a biggie. There's going to be an America the Beautiful quarter trivia area where kids can win quarters by answering questions about the designs on them. There's going to be a currency matching table where kids can match currency to the correct country where it was issued for a chance to win the bills and a currency collection starter kit. That, that sounds cool. That does sound cool. You can do something like that with stamps. Absolutely. Guess, what's, guess what country this is from? Absolutely. I've traveled around the world, and I still see money at times that I have trouble figuring out what country it's from. There's going to be a prize wheel that uh, kids can spin for a chance to win anything from a ball or a T-shirt to a pirate sword. Um, all the way up to a half-dollar coin or possibly even a rarer item? Well, actually, that's part of the uh, scavenger hunt. When you do the scavenger hunt, if you finish all 20 questions, and I'll talk about what that is, then uh, they don't give you a prize. You get to go. They give you a chance at the prize wheel. And so you spin the prize wheel, and that's where you get a little baggie full of stuff and possibly a yo-yo, and the graded uh, Pokemon card comes from that and stuff like that. Uh uh-huh. cool. What if they only have one super rare item on the wheel and two people in the two people in a row hit that? They have no super. The last time I was there, the big item was a um, a yo-yo, and the second place item was a candy bar, and the third place item was something even less than that. Well, to a kid, those are good prices. Oh yeah. Oh, Sean was ecstatic when he won a yo-yo. Well, they're also going to have a youth set registry booth where kids can learn how to start an online registry of coins or cards that they have won at uh, either this event or past events, which is kind of a a neat thing. It's not necessarily a specific set of something, but it could be a set of things that you actually won at an event that may not be related to each other. I'll I'll give my opinion on that. I think that that's more for the parents to let them know that there's registry sets because one of the reasons why I think a lot of people collect is for the sort of bragging rights of owning things. Well, of course. And a registry set allows you to say, look what I got. The Long Beach Stamp Club is also going to be there. They're going to have prize giveaways, including stamp books that have um, one or two countries in them with descriptions of those countries. They're also going to have a stamp drawer with free stamps for kids age uh, 6 to 17. The Long Beach Stamp Club, absolutely a great organization. I am a member myself. For supporting youth stuff or just in the organization in general? Organization in general, but they do a huge amount of youth outreach. So with these two shows, trying to make stamp collecting more interesting to kids or collecting in general, what else can be done to attract a more youthful audience to these types of shows? Take away the Xbox. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> well. Oh, I, uh, I honestly, I think that stamp collecting easily competes with the Xbox because kids get bored with the Xbox. Well, yeah. Especially and if you don't have I any new games. I don't think your kids do. Oh, I, I remember just last week where uh, Sean was like, sort of tired of getting killed because he was on a bad team. 
And uh, he went over and he grabbed his stamps and he started sorting his stamps in his uh, stock book. And it gave him, you know, a good 45 minutes to an hour of just quiet time of doing stuff. Out of how many hours Well, in the, the day? It's not, it's not a percentage thing. Because otherwise stamps lose to everything in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we sleep more than we do anything else. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself. Okay, I will. I sleep more than I do anything else. <laughs> well, scrapbooking has become a popular hobby for many, and if combined with stamp collecting, it could be something that uh, you could create an album that would be very out of the ordinary for what you're seeing today. Imagine a kid's album page adorned with stickers, designs, rubber stamps of dinosaurs, you know, all along hingeless mounted stamps in an album page. Continue this over several pages and several topics, and you could have an album that many kids would probably start showing off to friends. And most of the items for scrapbooking are designed around mounting photos, so they're probably something that would be safe for stamp collecting as well, like acid-free. Yeah, like that. that's not actually what stamp collect or scrapbooking is. Scrapbook uh, scrapbooking is more like you make a page. Mm-hmm that has a design element to it or something you want to talk about. And Mm -hmm. then the idea is that even that page can be yanked out and given to somebody almost as a card or a greeting or a note or a letter or something like that is it's not just sort of stuff stuck to a, a album of something. Yes. But you take that page with all those design elements and then in amongst those design elements, you attach hingeless mounts and put the stamps in them. Or screw it. They lick the back of the stamp and stick it in there. <laughs> well, sure. No. But, no, this is but scrapbooking. You, but you see what I'm saying? In scrapbooking, they get a lot of stamps in scrapbooking. Not postage stamps. Oh, yeah. I sell a lot of stamps. A lot of the topicals and cheap stuff... scrapbooking people buy those to lick them and stick them right but they're using them to decorate their scrapbooking i'm talking taking scrapbooking and turning it into your stamp album yeah well that's what i (laughs) honestly that's kind of what i do with mine i i have a uh cover and then I will show pictures of everything. You know, it's kind. Of, it's not actually scrapbooking because you know I'm pulling the pictures off of Wikipedia. But I like exactly that. I mean, I understand totally why people love scrapbooking. I think it's a fantastic thing. Like, could you imagine seeing some? I mean, oh, absolutely. I've seen us talk about pictures where somebody's hand drawn designs around the borders of a standard album page and go, "That's cool." Oh yeah. Now, imagine if a kid took like a big, you know, those things are like 14 by 14. Those pages are huge. Yeah. You know, I mean, my daughter being able to take and put, you know, exactly what I was stating, like dinosaur stamps and stickers and stuff, and then having a set of dinosaur stamps in there. She'd be proud of that. Yes. She'd think that was cool. Mm-hmm. So what can, what can the individual dealers do at their booths to be more inviting to younger collectors and kids? Not be grouchy. <laughs> well, actually, at, at the I was just giving the uh, approval to go ahead with a scavenger hunt at the Sescal uh, stamp show. And what we're going to do is pretty much what they did at Long Beach, except how the scavenger hunt works is you get a page of 20 questions. And a question will be, who appears on the first postage stamp? A Queen Victoria, B, George Washington, C, Alexander Hamilton. And then it'll say booth number 127. You go to booth 127, and on the booth, there's a little piece of paper, and it'll show the first stamp, and it says, the first stamp issued has Queen Victoria on it. And now you know the answer, and you go to booth 127 to find it. We're going to do it a little different. We're not going to put the booth numbers on it. We're going to print them on, like, astro pink paper and then have, like, the dealers will have it on their table because Sescal is much smaller than Lobex. And so then the kids will go through the stamp show. 
look at everybody's table and see if there's a pink sheet of paper there with an answer to one of their questions. While they do that, then the dealers can like give them little tidbits and stuff like that. And most of them do. Ed Demick is fantastic for this. He really promotes stuff. There are quite a few people who do. I just want to give a shout out to Ed. And uh, so a scavenger hunt gets the kids into the dealer areas, looking at the dealer's tables and looking at the stuff. Well, I know that many dealers have um, a stock item or a stock of items that they give to kids for free. I know this because I've seen my kids get so much stuff from random (laughs) dealers. Oh, here, you like this? Here, have these. Um, Not everybody does. But what if each dealer or several dealers had an actual stock book that was just for kids? Um, They would have to put the stock book together? Well, here, what if no. what if show organizers could provide this for dealers if they didn't already have them? So, so who puts the, it together? The, here's 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 the uh, the premise: the well, show buys twenty stock books, okay. one for each dealer. Volunteers for the show put stamps in each of the stock books. At the beginning of the show, the dealers come by and they pick up a book with stamps in it. Uh, a young person, a new person to collecting comes by their table. They can pick five stamps, ten stamps out of the book for free. Each dealer has different stamps. So here they are. Now they're going to different dealers. They're meeting the dealers. They're talking to the dealers about stamps. But they're adding to their collection for little or no cost because they're beginner level. And here's here. I know the PSE table because we're going to have a table there. I know we would do that, but we're different. We are not trying to make money. Having little kids at the table is a money loser for whoever they're sitting in front of. So giving the incentive to the person is tough. However, well, you what, leave it up, what the prize is, you leave it up to the dealer stop, stop, stop. whether they want to do it or not. Yeah. The prize at the end of the scavenger hunt in Sescal is a ticket to a table where they have piles of stamps that you can pick from. So if you complete the scavenger hunt, and again, it's not graded. If you get stuff wrong, they don't care. It's just if you complete the scavenger hunt, quote unquote complete, then you get a ticket to sit down at the table, which is covered with stamps and you can go ahead and pick your stamps. I don't think you're going to find very many dealers who will say, yes, send your kids over to my table. I will sit there with a stock book and I will uh, give them my time. Because generally speaking, they're trying to do business. Many kids are going to be, most kids, if not all kids, are going to be there with parents. They're not going to be there with themselves. So here's the theory. I'm wandering around a show with my six-year-old. Vanessa is of the immediately... I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I am and? looking through a dealer's stock. I'm looking for stuff. She's sitting at the table next to me or standing next to me and has zero to do. What if that dealer could hand her a book to keep her busy and entertained while I'm looking at my stuff? That's that's to me that's more the point of that. My kid is with me. You know, if you present more, it that way, I'm more likely to. Yeah. I'm more likely to bring my kid or a grandparent. I think is more likely to bring their grandchild to a show if there's something there that they know they can do. If they know out of fifty dealers, twenty of them may have a book there that's specifically for kids that they can sit talk with the dealer, work on on their their buy lists and stuff like that. And meanwhile, the, the, the kid can be entertained by going through a small stock book of Disney stamps and being allowed to pick three or four out of them. It doesn't take the dealer's time. What you're doing is entertaining yeah. the kids. I think if you present it that way, uh, yeah, I can see that. That's, that, to me, is a way to get more kids to yeah. a show. You know, people more willing to take them. You know, even Aileen, she loves looking at topical stuff. But if I'm not at a topical booth, she gets over it quick. 
if there's nothing for her to look at. So anyway, that's that's kind of what I was thinking in, in bringing that up. Uh, what else was I going to do here? Uh, many of the large shows contain auctions. Mm-hmm. What about having a kid's auction? The kids could be given play money to purchase actual stamps that they could keep. I think that's a cool idea. They, they sign up for a bidder number, and they get a little package with Monopoly money or something like that. And they can bid against each other. You know, items come up for sale that have been donated. And, you know, they can be whatever. They can be anything from, you know, valueless from our perspective items, or they can be actual, you know, decent items, whatever gets donated. And the kids bid against each other until they're out of money. And if you run out of money, you're done bidding. You want more items, you bid low. And often, you, you want a nice, nicer item, you bid high and so go after you, one. So, so. you want to teach seven-year-olds uh, auction strategies? Absolutely. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, they'll figure it. Let them figure it out on their own. But give them the opportunity to be the bidders yeah. and to take... take uh, you know, charge of that. Sounds I, good. I, I think it would be fun. You just get volunteers to run it. Well, if these types of activities became a way of life at stamp shows, and I know that's kind of what Cash has always been touting is more fun, less just stuff. Um, perhaps it might encourage the older generation to bring their grandkids with them to shows, uh, potential to learn about history and geography and all that while the parents or grandparents get to start sharing a hobby together. Yeah. In uh, closing thing, you know, it's long been said that stamp collecting is a dying hobby. You know, they've been saying that for, I don't know, since, years? since it started. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it possible that the coin industry may be facing the same fears? With the continued rise of credit card usage and now things like cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin coming into play, cash transactions are becoming fewer and fewer. Greg even uh, mentioned that, that he doesn't even write checks anymore. Nope. And I use several cryptocurrencies. You know, could the use of currency in, in modern technology um, cause a dwindling of coin collecting as you've seen? Well, look, look at look fewer, at science fiction. Look at science fiction. We have just take the two big ones: Star Wars and Star Trek. I mean, neither one of those has actual currency. I mean, Star Trek's Star, even Star Wars uses imperial credits. Well, Star Wars does have currency but on, they do on have the multiple planets and things yeah. like that. But Star Trek, that's the unique one. They have currencies, but not in the Federation. The Federation doesn't actually pay anybody. Well, right. me and Don will vouch that Star Wars does have postage stamps. Well, yes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, but, but yeah. you know, you know, their their vision is of a cashless society. Yeah, and, Star Trek was a merit-based society. Uh, you better yourself. Star Wars, a little different. Multiple cultures, crazy stuff. But yeah, right. could we ever get to a cashless society? Well, I, I think the Star Wars is something that you know, the euro is kind of like the Star Wars concept. You have one currency for everybody. Now, it's not a, a currency that you handle. It's something electronic. No, I think I think but we could get close to a cashless society. Well, we have some upcoming shows. There's a bunch of shows coming up this week. This week. This week. This week. This week. That's right. The reek and schedule. <laughs> <laughs> the 41st annual Stamp and Coin Show is going to be taking place September 7th and 8th in Mountain Home, Arkansas. The MSDA Fall Show West, September 8th and 9th at Oak Brook Terrace, Illinois. Uh, they have a website, msdastamp.com. As we mentioned last week, I'll bring it up again this week since uh, it starts on Thursday, is the Long Beach Expo, September 6th through 8th at the Long Beach Convention Center, Hall A in Long Beach, California. Bring your kids. There is a fantastic scavenger hunt there. Oh, that's the one you were talking about. Yeah, and that's uh, longbeachexpo.com is their website if you want more info. Also, if you want discount tickets. The fall stamp show, September 8th in Waterford, Michigan. That's in the fall. The Omaha stamp show, September no, 8th and 9th yeah. in Omaha, Nebraska. And that's uh, the omahaphilatelicsociety.org. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. The fall... It is fall. 
No. When does fall start? No, I thought fall start. When does fall start? The fall 20... starts on like the 21st. It's the end of September, end right? Of yeah. September, yeah. So, so it's... that's the pre-fall fall yeah. show. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Well. Okay. I only know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't ju- I don't judge them on their name. The Outapex stamp show is September 8th in Appleton, Wisconsin. And finally, we have the fall 2018 Capex show. Don't a, get me on the fall a again. Pre-fall, Stop fall it. show. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's going to be September 9th in Middletown, <laughs> Pennsylvania. You know, uh, are there stamp shows very often across the United States? Oh, yeah. Every weekend. See, I was, oh, yeah. was going to write a little uh, gag giveaway fun app, you know, just one you publish and people for s- stupid for comic uh, comic shops and then comic conventions, right? It would tell you, geolocate you, and tell you how far you are away from any given comic book shop at any time or any convention. <laughs> if you did the stamp show one, that'd be funny because you're like, oh, I'm 372 miles away from the nearest stamp <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, only if you live in Montana. <laughs> that'd be fun. Is there one well, every should- weekend somewhere? Yes, just uh, about. Yeah, uh, that's cool. But, I mean, this is just scratching the surface of what is out there. That's cool. There's this is t- just the, this is just major there's, major there's shows. Just, there's, there's tons of small, small shows, shows all over everywhere. the place. Is there a, uh, well, a site where you can find that? There's many no. sites for comic. I can find every convention ever. Yes, there is. Uh, Should be stamp show here today. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully yeah. one day it will be. Yeah, it, I forget. A stamp show. A, Actually, it's a good name for a directory. If you, I forget if the you, name of it, but yes, there is one. It's a stamp show directory, and it lists all the stamp shows nationwide. That's a bit on the nose. I like stamp show here today, for slash directory. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, if you do have a stamp show and you want us to mention it on the show, please give us a, a holler. You can uh, email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. We'll be happy to list your show. It can be a once a year, twice a year, weekly, monthly, doesn't matter. Doesn't have just to be in the us, United States even. Just give us a list of dates and uh, times and We have an international we audience. We do, absolutely. I have one to promote. Oh. Which is? Sescal is coming up. Is it a pre-fall fall show? <laughs> no, it's going to be in the fall. <laughs> yes, that's true. It is in October. Yes, October 12th through 14th. Um, admission is free, and I will be there. Cash will be there. Scott, you're going to be there. Yes. You can see my exhibit. I'll be yes. exhibiting there. T- Tom will be enjoying the weekend with his wife because it's his anniversary. Aw. Aw. I'm trying to twist Greg's arm to get him to come out at least for like a couple hours. Where is it supposed to be? Where is it? Ontario. Ontario. It's in Ontario. I've been to Canada in a while. <laughs> That'd be the other Ontario, <laughs> California. Not that Ontario. Well, thank you for listening. This has been Stamp Show here today, episode number one eighty nine. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This was Greg. I'm still Dawn. Collecting happens when we dream together.